In this episode of the Coin Week podcast, CAC founder John Albanese joins us to talk about the evolution of coin grading, what the coin grading industry might have done differently with the benefit of 30 years of foresight, why AI in grading may not be the answer, and just how many certified coins have been submitted to his service. It'll be an enlightening 30 minutes that you won't want to miss next on the Coin Week podcast. Hi, John. Thanks for joining me on the Coin Week podcast. Oh, pleasure, Charles. John, it's always incredible talking to you. I, I think of all the many people that I encounter in the industry that you stand at the top tier, in my opinion, in terms of your fluency of every aspect of numismatics, from looking at the coins themselves to being able to grade them, uh, to understanding the nuances and the way the market truly operates from top to bottom. And of course, I think your work with Certified Acceptance Corporation has, in the eyes of many people, been a positive and stabilizing force for a coin market that has seen volatility in recent years. So it's a pleasure to have you on to talk with us today so that you know the collectors listening in will have a chance to pick your brain a little bit before deciding where they're going to spend uh, money as they participate in this great hobby. Well, it's a pleasure, Charles, but I have to warn you that I know very little about everything else. So. Well, <laughs> we all have limitations. So where do we stand now in the rare coin market in regards to the quality of the coins that we see being offered for sale and the eagerness of the collecting base to buy these coins and take them off of the market? Well, it's interesting. Um... You know, when we when we first started CAC, we we did a few coins. We we I, I went to a few coin shows in Connecticut and with, with with our grading team and our staff, and we graded coins for collectors there, free or free of charge. And I think I think we maybe did ten or fifteen or twenty coins per collector. Um, you know, and, and we were we were inundated. There were lines of people submitting their coins, and but you know, these were these were collectors that would you know attend coin shows and. And Greenwich, and, and it, obviously, you know, very serious collectors in the tri-state area. And and I have to tell you, I I, I forget what the percentages were. I, I know we, we I spoke about it in an interview once. I think about 80% of the coins stickered in that in those two. And I think that was in late 2007 and late 2008. And it was a huge amount of coins stickered. Now since then. I think about four out of ten coins that have stickered at CAC. Um, and, and keep in mind, just for the you know, for this conversation, all conversations, including all of our ads and marketing and website, you know, we, we we break coins down, as you know, into A, which is you know very very high end P or PQ, B solid for the grade, and C, which um, we believe is accurately graded, but it's just it's it's not uh, it's not top tier, so. So, so, when, so during our discussions, I'll be using the A, B, and C terms as we go. But, but I would say, in, you know, in that, in that, in that period of time, um, you know, at those coin shows, we realized that most coins out there in collectors' hands, again, these were serious collectors, were a very, you know, very, very high quality. And obviously, if you're, if you're a collector, you're you're selecting uh, coins that, that you like, and 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 we agreed with them 80% of the time. So. Um, 
you know, I think since then, I think what's happened over over the years, um, you know, turn around and go to go to a Baltimore coin show or, or or go to a large off show. What you're really seeing there is you're seeing a lot of tired coins, a lot of C coins that have been deal, that have been deal, dealers inventories for years. They've been going from one auction to another and sort of sort of sloshing around and. They don't seem to go off the market. Uh, the better coins do go off the market. So really, when one goes to a coin, sh- a major coin show, or attends uh, many of today's auctions, they're not really seeing a true representation of of what's extant in in collectors' hands. So, I think the I think the coin market is getting a bad rap for that because they're just looking at a very small segment as being a, you know, representative of quality of of. Uh, and, and um, of, of it, you know, the total float of quality, and I could, I could, I could assure you that's not true. Um, so, the, and, and unfortunately, that C coin, as we know, it's, it's especially in a in a market that we have today, which is, I would say, either flat to slightly negative. Those C coins keep pushing lower and lower and lower, and they they seem to impact the, the whole general mood of the market. People see those coins continue to drift down, and you know, we've had that. Uh, we've seen that here at CAC, where you know initially CAC's um, mission was to separate the A and B coins from the C's because the the C's were dragging it down. But it was also to have to sort of have an early look at what's out there and to be able to purchase coins um, not from collectors because we don't we don't uh, we don't solicit collectors because we feel they have uh, relationships with dealers. So we generally don't solicit them to buy their coins, but we do solicit the dealer professionals that send those coins. We do solicit them, and we try to buy their coins. And what what I've noticed is maybe in the first four or five years at CAC, we were able to buy a lot of coins, and even even not just from dealers, but also at auctions. Where if I if I bid on a heritage sale, if I bid you know two million dollars on CAC coins, I might buy sixty percent or fifty percent of them, and I was you know very happy. Um, CAC at the time, there were a lot of skeptics around, and um, but yeah, that that was very pleasing to me because I sort of had my pick of what I wanted to buy uh, at at my price, and I, I was I, again I, I was pleased by that. You know, as the years have gone by, a typical auction now, if I bid two million dollars on auction today, I might spend forty thousand or fifty thousand. I mean, I, I just bid on three or four dozen Fairmont coins in the last fax auction. I got zero. I got nothing. So. So it's sort of, sort of working against us in some respects. It's sort of, it's, it's like good news, bad news, right? So the good news is that CAC coins are doing well. The bad news is, I, you know, I can't buy enough of them for our, our market-making uh, capabilities. So um, a, a common theme today is when, when a dealer submits coins and I try to buy them, they want to sell me their non-CAC coins, not their because they have customers for their CAC coins. So. That's that sort of has changed in the last. That's one dynamic that's changed, which I really didn't foresee, you know, t- uh, ten, twelve years ago. Well, I think foresight is one of those interesting things because when you go into CAC, you obviously had some hindsight in regards uh, to how the grading industry developed from its earliest period. Um, let's face it. ANAX develops an authentication service and soon thereafter starts grading coins. Its product was not as secure as many would have hoped and its methods required some refinement, which I think comes later. But the people operating the grading service at ANAX and their graders were excellent at what they did. And in fact, 
many of those early Anax pioneers are still major figures in the coin industry today. Then the uh, for-profit grading service model begins, and you are clearly involved at this point. What do you think could be different today had you and these pioneers of the for-profit grading system had the benefit of knowing what you know now back when some of the most critical business and numismatic decisions were being made in the mid-1980s at the two major grading services? Right. Well, I, I would say if, let's say, if I had to do it all over again, if I, if I had a time machine, uh, one thing I would stress is is that, and, and, and I've said this in other interviews, but I believe there should be fewer grades, not more grades. And, you know, I I remember at PCGS, I'm pretty sure I remember, I'm not, even, I'm not sure if the grade 53 existed then, but there was this hole. It was 50, 55. Oh, wait, yeah, let's put a 53 in there. All right, so it was... It, it seemed kind of arbitrary at the time, but you know, I mean, I remember going back to the to the to the early to mid '70s when I worked in a coin shop. It, it seemed to me, and even going to coin shows, it seemed to me that things were things were pretty simple, and I I, I really felt there were there, there were literally tens of thousands of collectors who knew how to grade Morgan dollars, you know, to the point where they could buy them and sell them, um, whether as as vest pocket or or, or, or you know, just in order to, in order of, you know, just getting good value for their money. And I think, I think as time has gone by, I mean, it's gotten to the point with so many grades. I mean, you look at a Morgan. You know, back then it was Unk, it was Choice, it was Gem, and you had Superb, right? So, um, it, it seems now that you know there are so many grades that I think, I think you take that tens of thousands of collectors that were fluent in competent grading, and that has maybe diminished to maybe a hundred and and I do feel that that I, th I think a lot of collectors are feel disenfranchised because they see a coin that that they like and they they send it in and gee why the sticker it looks it looks nice to me you know it looks it might have a cosmetic to them and you know maybe back there, there was a time maybe when things were simpler where it may have worked for them but it's gotten so complex and now we're splitting hairs now we have pluses and we have stickers and everything else it's gotten to the point where you know, maybe there's three or four dozen dealers that are possibly skilled enough, like to 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 work at a grading service. Maybe there's hundreds. I mean, I, I hope there are hundreds. I don't get around like I used to, but I believe, you know, I believe back in the early '70s there were thousands of coin dealers that were competent enough to to, you know, to grade at a grading service if there were such a grading service. So, again, uh, I think I, it, some people want to call it progress, but I think in some respects by by adding all these points to the grading scale, and now, now we have the pluses, and now we have the stickers. I do believe um, we've we've probably lost some people because it's just it's too complicated, and it's you know if they're going to buy a coin for fifty dollars, that's one thing. But if they're spending tens of thousands, or hundreds of thousands, or millions of dollars, they don't want to just be told, well, just trust us, you know, trust the sticker, trust the holder. I think I think they want to I, I think they want to feel that they have enough knowledge where they don't need to trust anyone. I think it gives them more confidence knowing that, that they have the knowledge to make their own decisions. And I think that's been taken away. So simplification, I think, I think it's too complex at the moment. Well, I don't want to put you on the spot, John, but, uh, and this isn't meant to be a gotcha question, but I want to test a hypothesis of mine, and I'll do that by asking you this question. 
What is an MS-62 coin? What state of preservation does a coin have to be in uh, in order to earn what seems to me to be a, a highly eccentric grade, that is the grade of MS-62? Yeah, well, again, I, I just stickered um, a bunch of 20 liberties that came in, that, and maybe about half of them stickered in 62. And really, the 62s are a coin that in, the way I look at it is from my perspective is, well, this coin's not quite 63. It's not quite 63. <laughs> and other coins that were in the group look like, well, this looks like a 60 to me. So the question is, what's the difference between a 61 and 62? That's where it gets tough, and that's why I think, you know, there always was a 60, which is just your basic uncirculated, you know, 84cc dollar in unk. That's baggy, right? It's a 60. And then there was a choice coin that was a 63, and and then there was a 60 plus. There always was a 60 plus. So I would, I feel, I would feel that a 60 and a 61 and a 62 grade, I, I would prefer that to be the same grade, and that would be a 60 plus. It's a much easier. So what's a 62? Like I said, it's a coin that doesn't quite make 63, but it's also a 60 plus. What's a 61? Well, it's a coin that's a little better than a 60, right? But so I really do believe, like, and especially in that category. In fact, if you look at prices today, I think the, the market's telling you the difference between an MS-61 and MS-62 20 Liberty is probably zero or $5. The difference between a 61 and 62 uh, 84cc dollar is basically negligible. So the, even the market is saying, hey, you know, guys, who cares, right? Um, so I would prefer that. And, again, go back to VF grade. I mean, you a 20 or a 25, you know, 1796 quarter and 20, and here's a 25. I mean, I, I would, you know, I would challenge anyone to, to, to tell me the difference, all right? I'm, I'm sure it's in photo grade somewhere, but um, it, it, there doesn't seem to be a need and very fine to have 15 points of grading scale being hogged up, you know, uh, being, I should say, hogged by just the VF grade, you know, so... I could see a coin that barely makes VF. I could see a coin that's really choice VF, almost an XF, and something in between. I don't think we need four grades. Well, you know, what you said does sum up for me, and, and maybe also for those who are students of coins, regularly listen to the podcast. Uh, and, you know, many people, I think, have already formed their own opinion about coin grading, but the thing I think that collectors really need to keep in mind uh, is that there really is no codified industry standard for what uh, these mint state grades mean. I mean, there really isn't. What there is is a system of norms and standards, uh, things that are principally agreed on. But both services have their own internal standards. Collectors have their own standards. Dealers who see more coins than almost all of us see enough coins to recognize patterns and understand which coins might be undergraded or which coins are overgraded. But your answer to my question about MS62 shows the degree at which these grades are in practice judgment calls. And judgment varies from one person to the next. So at this point, unless somebody introduces, I think, an artificial intelligence uh, system to the process and this AI has the responsibility of scrutinizing the coin and reinforcing the norms, um, I think uh, there will always, uh, we will always be uh, married to a system that lacks precision. 
And, and I think that it will be increasingly necessary uh, for us to address this issue if we hope to grow the vintage side of the hobby over the course of the next 10 or 15 years. Well, I mean, possibly. Although, you know, I, I have to tell you, and I've been, I've been, I've been scolded for this, saying this, but I still feel it. That I've always felt that, that in some respects, like, hey, I don't really know how to grade a coin, but I know how to value a coin. So, a lot of, you know, many in many cases, the reason why, let's say, uh, a grading service may work or may not work is, is does it correspond to their real value? So. And I have to tell you, it's probably instinctually, and it probably happens in a split second. But someone shows me a, a, a barber quarter and says, "This is MS65," and I just say, "No, it's not," because I would never pay 65 money for it. Therefore, it's not a 65 in my mind. Whether it makes it on technical merit or not, if it's not worth 65 money, you really have no credibility of that coin being a 65 holder. So, even though you might argue we have no standards, and I. And it's a loose statement. I, what I could tell you is that I just know that in my days on the board floor, I mean, I could assemble 30 or 40 coin dealers, give them 300 coins from soup to nuts uh, of different grades and different denominations and have them make a bid on it, all right? And you'd be amazed how those 30 guys, 40 guys, their bids would be all bunched up together within, you know, there might be an outlier someone's 10 or 20% too low, but you'd have a lot of guys. Most of those guys would be in a 5% range on a, on a, on a six-figure deal. So they figure them for the same amount of money. They, they, they know what they're worth, okay? So, so that, that sort of, you know, it sort of tells me that, that there, there is a consensus. I mean, there's a, there's a consensus of, of value, and that's why I've always felt as far as CAC goes, and I'm sure you've seen, the, you know, back in, back in the old days, the two old codgers at a coin show argue about the grade of a coin, and one is saying 64 and one is saying 65. What it really amounts to is what can you sell the coin for? You might, you might be able to argue all you want on, techni- on technical and intellectual merits that the coins are 65, but if you can't translate that in, into dollars at, at a coin show, well, then guess what? You might be right, but you're really, not, you're really wrong because you'll never get 65 money for it. So I like to look at, and that's why we focus on A and B coins, I like to look at it as, you know, if this coin were out of the holder, you would still get 65 money for it. Peel the sticker off, crack it out of the holder, and still get 65 money. That's how I like. That's how I like to look at CAC coins as being, you know, going back to the days before grading services. What was it worth out of the holder? So. Well, I think that's an important point and an important distinction. And again, I, I'm not suggesting that I don't think that that the industry has a mainstream attitude about what quality coins are. I just feel that the the grade on a coin is shorthand. And was never designed to be the final word. And a case in point is, uh, you could take, uh, you know, 100, uh, MS65, uh, 1883 CCs and GSA holders, or just pop out GSA holders, and they could all be like accurately and graded and still collectors would probably bunch up and take a, you know, a, a percentage of them and see them as being the superior coins. And then I think this gets down to your A, B, and C concept. Uh, I imagine in your philosophy, a C coin is in most cases likely an overgraded coin, uh, but that coin might actually be a nice coin if it was a grade down. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, on the other and hand, actually, uh, right, and actually, just as you know yeah. that we're, we're very, um, we, we we make that point that we we don't believe a seed a seed coins overgraded. That's that's the and we have we've gotten some criticism recently from Jeff Garrett where it's like, hey, uh, you know, you have the luxury of putting a sticker on a coin or not, and that's true. And the fact of the matter is, if uh, if CAC were a grading service and a barber quarter came in that was a 65C, we'd have to grade at 65 because that's, that's doing our job correctly. So you, they have to put them all in the same holder, A's, B's, and C's. That, they're doing their job. Now, if, I guess if grading services change their, change their position and just grade a coin 65A, B, or C, that would be different. I, I believe now they have an A grade, which is the plus. Uh, but still leaves the, a question mark for is it a B or is it a C. I do believe a 65C is accurately graded, um, but it's not a coin that I would necessarily want to handle in some cases. I mean, and, and a, for an 1892 old barber quarter, I wouldn't want to handle it, or a 92 barber quarter, because there's plenty of A and B coins around there. But if I'm looking for a 1796 two and a half, which I purchased last week unstickered, and an 1808 2.5 I purchased last week unstickered, they were they're respectable coins. They were C coins. They weren't stickered. I still bought them because if I have to wait to buy an A or B coin in either of those coins, I could be waiting for five years. And and my wholesale customer said, get me that coin as long as it's you know accurately graded. So I found them, you know, I found adequate C coins. And I, I had no problem selling them. And I... No problem sleeping that night, so um, so I, I disagree that a C coin is not an overgraded coin. And again, in some cases, I will buy C coins, and usually there are cases where I can't buy the A or B coin. If it's an 84 CC dollar and 65, why buy a C coin for 325 when you could buy a B plus for 390? It doesn't make any sense, right? And there's, and there's plenty of sticker coins available. Um, right, but at the same, I guess I'm saying though at the same time, like you, we were talking about the plus coins and the star coins and all these sort of the A grade coins. I mean, it, it is not unusual to see these coins resubmitted a few times, eventually earning an upgrade. Well, and yeah. uh, I, I, I can't, I can't review an auction uh, at any of the major auction houses without seeing like some of the most desirable and attractive eye appealing coins show up, and then any five minutes of research. Revealing, oh, this sold four months ago, and it was in a 66 holder. Now it's in a 66 plus holder, and and the thing that kind of is frustrating, I think, uh, to the market is the inefficiency the market has in in um, people, you know, having proper knowledge when they're buying a coin. I'm not suggesting that in this situation the coins are wrongly graded in the first case or the second case. I really don't know, but it is inefficient and. You know, and so when you get to the position where, uh, you know, you have a more sophisticated client base, people who can easily Google, find these, uh, find this readily available information and see that the grades are more or less nebulous in some instances, for even for nice coins, uh, then I think that it, it just speaks to what I'm saying is there really is no codified standard where it's rigid and, you know, the grading services either obey it or don't obey it. I mean, it is, these are coins that are graded essentially to taste of the major companies that are in the business of grading coins. Mm -hmm. Well, again, I, I, you know, I don't know, um, Charles. We, we had a coin come in today that was um, 62. It was a, a Pioneer Gold coin 
we've stickered it. You know, nice original coin. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't an A coin, but it was like yeah, it was it was fine. I, I would call it a B coin. And uh, I found out later that it was a coin that we stickered as a '61 um, a few years ago, and it didn't get a gold sticker. So that so were, were we wrong? I don't know. I, I I mean, I felt comfortable really with both grades, but again, it's a grade that we just spoke about, which is sort of unnecessary 61 or 62 you know nice original coin brand new nothing major wrong with it not quite a 63 and um was i embarrassed that we stickered it i mean maybe just a few percent embarrassed but but um i don't we, i i know for certain we'll get no criticism on stickering this coin and it's, it's so much better well else from what else is out there in c holders so you know um Going back to our original question, is that if there if there were fewer grades, it would make it a lot easier to be consistent. Obviously, right? Um, if we graded coins from a one to ten scale, like baseball cards, it'd be a lot, a heck of a lot easier. Right? But but it's kind of hard to go back there. I, 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 me and Maurice Rosen is like John. It's too late, but I don't know if it's too late. But uh, is it really too late to get rid of 60, 61 and sixty two? I'm not sure. You know? Like I said, I just hope we get to the point where we adapt uh, to what AI can provide. I mean, they're sophisticated 2D and 3D imaging platforms. Uh, and like I said, I just hope we get to the point where we adapt uh, AI to what we're doing. Uh, there are sophisticated 2D, 3D imaging platforms that are being marketed to the European Mints uh, in order for the Mints to control the quality of their products. You see the use of this type of technology in other sectors where precision is necessary. And again, I don't want it, I don't want it because I think that the graders haven't done a good job and that they're not knowledgeable. I, I think for the most part the system works, and I think on the whole what we have had is a tremendous change agent for good for this industry, and it's created billions of dollars of arbitrage and provided collectors and dealers with a great deal of information. So I'm not against grading coins at a professional level. I'm quite in favor of it. I just think I see the potential for a technological revolution to reinvigorate our market and add specificity to the graded product. And this could have, I think, a profound impact on the way coins are bought and sold. And so that's why I'm in favor of an evolution of the product and the service. Well, yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I've spoken to... And this is maybe even going back at NGC days, but even recently, I've, I've heard a few proposals about um, artificial intelligence, computer grading, and things like that. And what what I've learned is, well, you know, first of all, there there are there are supercomputers now that can beat the best chess players, all right? Um, which which I don't think has ha has happened for uh, for decades of compu of computing. But you have to remember those those supercomputers are, are you're being they're being fed data from Bobby Fischer's best game or Kasparov, all these chess masters for, for over the years they're being fed so-called correct information to to be able to beat the pros and and now they're doing it they have higher rating and as far as coins go and as you know, um, let's go back to an 84 CC dollar and let's say 66 right you could have a few bag marks. That, Light bag marks on it, but it really does matter where the bag marks locate. Not just uh, you know quantifying and counting the amount of depressions from marks, but where they're located, how they hit your eye, is it, is it shiny, is it dull, on and on and on. I mean, there's a reason why coin doctors will, will use the thumb 
I don't know if they still do, some silver dollars, it's not to it's not to take the bag mark away, but it's to it's to make them less shiny, to remove mint luster and fill in the crevice with, with mint luster to, so the so the bag mark is as dramatic. You know? So as far as artificial intelligence for coin goes, you better be sure that the data you're feeling you're feeding into the computer, that coin is graded correctly that you're feeding the computer. So if you know, we're not we're not talking about something like Bobby Fisher and Kasparov here, we're talking about who's going to give the, the information to the computer to teach it. And if they're not correct, well, then the computer's going to be incorrect, or the art, so-called artificial intelligence will be incorrect. So I think I think a pro I think the computer is as good as its programmer. No, absolutely. But, but if you think about it, grading services see quite a few coins, so. The ability to provide this input over thousands and thousands of coins will ultimately tighten up the standard. And so from my perspective, anything that can be done to add value to the service and provide more precision to the buying process only serves to help collectors understand exactly what it is that they're looking at before they lift the paddle. So, so when it comes to the totality of the gradable, desirable coins in the market, uh, what percentage of these coins do you think have been uh, graded by uh, the services to date, that's hard. I mean, by the, when you say when you say desirable, so the, you know um, the issue I have is you have to think of a you have to think of a price point. So when we talk about an eighty-four cc dollar, I mean the mintage is in the hundreds of thousands, and and most of them aren't circulated. So there's probably still a lot more coins out there in GSA holders to be great. If you're talking about coins over five thousand um, dollars, I I think the I, I would I mean I would bet the majority has been graded by the services of coins of of that realm. Um, as far as as far as the you know and to, to, to quantify it's kind of impossible. I believe that there's a lifetime supply of coins under a thousand dollars to services between the silver commemorators that were never circulated. There's hundreds of thousands that are uncirculated today in albums. Uh, the GSA dollars, um, the bags of Morgans out there, the the, the, all the all the gold coming out of Europe. I think there's a lifetime supply now. Um, if we're talking about proof trade dollars or coins that I would consider more relevant, you know, I think I think for certain it's it's probably 75% or more have been seen. So if 75% or more of these relevant coins have been seen, how many of them do you think have cycled through your service? Well, again, you know, CDC, we, we've been around now for like 11 years, and. Um, and again, it's 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 impossible to it's 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 impossible to ask to answer that in a general way. But let's let's go to another type. Well, let's go to like a bus half dollar, for example. Now, bus half dollars, um, the lettered edge. You know, let's say at 1834, 1836, that coin today in in CAC MS65 wholesales for roughly 8,500 dollars, right? And um, without a sticker. They wholesale for about anywhere from forty-five hundred to five thousand dollars on, on the average. So there's a there's obviously a four thousand dollar premium to to obtain a CAC sticker, and it's always had a large premium from day one because the the A and B coins look so much better than the C coins, and that's just the way they've and that's and and again this is the way they traded before CAC. What is this? You can go back you can go back to the last twenty or thirty years, and uh, an A and B bus have always traded for a, a big percentage or a multiple over a C, a C coin. So, 
the, you know, the fact is, you know, coin dealers, I, I believe coin dealers as a whole are, especially the top few hundred, are, you know, they're very, very sharp guys. They're, they're, they're adept at risk arbitrage. They're great poker players, backgammon players, and you know that they, they've been sort of doing this their, you know, their whole lives, whether they're in coin shops or in their neighborhood trading with other kids. They sort of have an advantage, I think, in a, a lot of areas in business. But, I mean, you know, so to send a coin in for $15, to to get a four thousand dollar advantage, it's pretty likely that if there's a bus half out there in sixty five floating around at a major coin show, it, it, you know, highly likely that coin's been to the CAC because they're not going to leave four thousand dollars on the table. They're going to risk fifteen dollars to make four thousand dollars, right? Why not, right? So, so you know, I would say on that kind of a coin, there's a you know. We've seen most of the coins that are on the market today, or that have been on the market for the last ten or twelve years. Um, if you go, if you go, uh, you know, dial back into that coin in in '64. Now we have a coin that's either twenty five hundred or three thousand. Now there's a five hundred dollar advantage. Now, so now you, you could you would, I, you, know, you would argue that uh, the coin may not have ever been the CAC, right? So it's possible that we haven't seen the coin and. And again, go back to AU fifty or something, you know, a lower AU grade where it's it's either three hundred or three fifty. You know, there's a, there's a very good chance we haven't seen the coin. So um, it really depends. I mean, when you think of CAC and what's been the CAC and what hasn't, I think if you look at what they call the spreads, you know, the high spread coins, if there's a high spread, there's it's it's highly likely. If there's a low spread, it's less likely, right? So. Um, I mean, as you know, you could you could go you could go to, uh, on a bourse floor today, um, and you could buy um, you could buy let's say a, a Norfolk commemorative and 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 MS66, okay, pay about three hundred dollars for it. You could get your grandmother's or your mother's silver polish out, crack it out of the holder, and polish it up, and you probably lose like fifty dollars, right? Because the, the basal level is very very high. So it's um, if you, it, it's it's amazing today. The spreads on a lot of those commemoratives in, in the 1930s, from XFAU to MS66, there's almost no spread. So it really doesn't make sense. It, there's really no, there's not a big incentive to send those coins to get stickered or even crack a coin out to get a higher grade. What's the difference? You know, you crack a, you crack out a 63 Roanoke and you get a 64. You made two dollars, right? And it costs you twenty dollars to do it. So. Um, that's why it's hard to answer these questions in general because it, it really depends. And uh, the easy answer is, um, as I mentioned, if it has a high spread, it's highly likely. Well, I think it's relevant information, and I, I think collectors should understand this information. If you're a collector that wants to keep up uh, with what's going on in the market, it's important to know that you can have a rare coin in a high grade that has a CAC sticker. Uh, then that means that you've seen it and that it's an A or B coin. And at the same time, you should understand the economics that would incentivize a dealer to submit these coins because the market bears that these coins do bring better money. Better coins always bring better money, you know, tax sticker or no. That's always been the case. But that if a coin is valuable and does not have a tax sticker, then you should probably ask a few questions to the person who's selling the coin. You know, has the coin been submitted and why not? Ask yourself, does the coin stand out and have a desirable look? Ask the dealer. What's their opinion? Is this the right coin for you and your collection? And, and your and and your collection is custom tailored to your 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 budget, your taste, your your whatever your time frame is. 
a coin can still be absolutely 100% right for you in your collection. And if that's the case, you don't have to wait for uh, to find one with a CAC sticker. I mean, they, they may not appear in the market or they may not be uh, within, within your means. So there is nuance to what's going on here. I was looking for a, a hybrid car, a plug-in hybrid, and I, and I went to Mercedes where I normally would get my cars and and I asked them if they had one, and they started knocking them. Oh, they're garbage. They're this. They're that. It gave me all sorts. They have a bigger carbon footprint. I got the whole. I got the whole speech, you know. And then, um, I mean, again, and, and I realized you know something. I mean, first of all, dealers sell what they have. If if you go to a if you go to a coin show and a dealer has lots of CAC coins, half or more, they're going to extol the virtue of CAC coins. And you go to another dealer's show showcase and he has zero CAC coins or one or two, he's going to tell you it's a scam. I mean, let's face it, this is what happens. People people push what they own. They they sell what they own. And they um, and that's just the way they do it. And uh, I mean, a lot of people can see through that, I, I believe. I, mean, I think intelligent buyers can see through it. We are not popular with crack out dealers. Let's face it, we're not. We're, it's, it's another obstacle, okay? So uh, I don't expect crack out dealers um, you know, to be to be on the CAC side, and you know, CAC has about 24, 20 to 24 shareholders. Some large retail coin dealers, some boutique retail coin dealers, and some well-known, you know, or some large collectors. Um, you know, I turned down um, at least a half dozen dealers that were friends of mine that were crackout dealers that wanted to be shareholders of CAC, and even though they're non-voting, and I, and I, I, I refused them. Uh, to be shareholders because they're on they're they're on they're on a different side they're on a different team and you go to a major coin show today and if have a hundred dealers going to that show to do business maybe maybe sixty or seventy of them are are at the show looking to find you know the the the, the A coin that they can get into the C holder so they're looking for sixty sixes that they can crack out to get into a sixty seven holder and that's a crack out dealer they're looking. They're looking to get buy coins and get them in the highest grade holder possible and and sell them quickly, all right? And then you have another group of dealers, maybe 30, 40% of them that are going to the show. This is these are the these are the legends and the Joe O'Connors and the Warren Mills and and the the, the Doug Winters. They're going to a show to look for the solid for the grade coins A's or B's to bring back for their clients, right? So you you do have this tug of war. You go to an auction and there's a competition. What's the competition? You have collectors that want to buy coins for their collection. You have dealers trying to buy nice coins for their clients, and you have other dealers uh, trying to buy coins to crack out. So I don't expect you know to be you know the, the most popular guy in the room. And I don't expect that, that, that contingent of crack-out dealers to say positive things or to write positive things about CAC. In fact, I actually enjoy the fact that they don't like CAC because if those guys like CAC, then we got a big problem. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends. Remember, you can go to our entire archives by going to our YouTube channel, Coin Week or downloading them individually at the iTunes store. For Coin Week, I'm editor Charles Morgan. Till next time, happy collecting.